So an extra pen here. Does anybody else need a pen? No? Okay. So because it's it's Pesach and what? Yeah. Because it's Pesach and everything in, in the Torah goes back to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, I figured that we could talk a little bit about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Not from a necessarily, at the beginning at least, not from a, not from a, a Torah perspective, but from really just the humanity perspective and try to understand what, how the Sfarim Akadoshim understand what Mitzrayim is, so epic about being in Mitzrayim, what was so epic about leaving Mitzrayim, and what specifically that has to do with us as human beings, I think humanity as a whole, but also specifically for us as Jews. So before we go to some of these handouts, we're going to um, do a little bit, maybe a little bit Chazara, maybe a little bit um, new stuff. Don't get, don't get um, nervous by, by some of the Kabbalistic stuff. It's fine. It's all understandable, I think. But before we get to the handouts, we're just gonna just gonna go through a little bit of the, of, of philosophy to understand what does it mean that Hashem created the world? What does it mean that Hashem created us? And what is it? What does any of it have to do with us? And what does it have to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim? So the first the first basic we're gonna just go through this in the most basic in the most basic way possible. Hashem is beyond what we call infinite. Infinity is the first manifestation of Hashem. Infinity is something obviously we can't, we can't understand. Infinity is called Ein Sof. That's, that's the, there's no boundary. There's no, there's no defining characteristic. There's no anything. It's just infinity, right? Infinity in every dimension. Not just infinity numbers, like numbers is like a very linear thing, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way keep counting to the end. That's one, that's one paradigm of infinity, but that's just linear. It goes from here to there. Linear in volume, linear in energy, linear, linear uh, I'm, I'm sorry, infinite in volume, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And any dimension you could possibly think of, that's there's infinity in the in those dimensions, and then there's even beyond that dimensions you, we can't think of because that's the way infinity works. But infinity itself is not Hashem, right? You, you don't you don't write infinity with a capital I. Hashem is beyond infinity. That's what we that's what we understand. It's beyond Ein Sof. Ein Sof is the first manifestation of Hashem in the world. Everything that exists in reality is manifestations. Manifestations means that Hashem, that which is beyond infinity, what we don't understand infinity, we certainly can't understand that which is beyond infinity, manifested itself. Manifested itself means it, it, it decided in some way to express, right? So everything is an expression. Everything that exists in this world is an expression. It's an expression of an expression, of an expression, of an expression, of an expression, of an expression. Now, in Hashem's case, because Hashem is beyond infinite, and that means that before the world was created, any expression of godliness is a step down from godliness. For me, if I express, that's a step up, right? I am expanding myself. 
with Hashem, because Hashem is, is beyond everything, if Hashem expresses himself, well, it's not a himself, if Hashem expresses, it's a step down. It has to be a step down, because it can't be a step up, there's nothing more. So it's a step down. In Kabbalah, that's called symptom. Everything is a step down. All of creation happens in a way where there are manifestations of manifestations of manifestations. So it's layers upon layers of expression. That's, that's the basic way that we understand the creation of the world. The creation of the world was not that Hashem decided to go somewhere, make a world, and we have a world. The world itself is an expression of, an expression of, an expression of, an expression of. <laughs> see myself on, on your phone on Zoom. How's that for my own narcissism? So everything that exists in this world is an expression of an expression of an expression. It's all manifestations. Everything that, everything, everything is a manifestation. Okay, that's that's the first the first basic thing we have to we have to um, we have to wrap our heads around manifestations expressions everything that exists in this world is an expression of an expression of an expression of Hashem. Okay. Now, according to Kabbalah, and and we'll we'll just describe this the best we can. There are basically four practical layers of Hashem's expression. There are four practical layers. The first layer gives birth to the second, gives birth to the third, gives birth to the fourth. The fourth layer is the world we live in. That's called the Olam Hasiya. That's the, the world of practicality, the world where things were created. Above the world Asiya is what's called the world of Yitzira. That means that it was, it was formed, things were formed. Above that is the world of Bria, that means things were created. And above that is what's called the world of Atsilas. Atsilas is, is, is a world where there's just raw material, it's just raw energy. Atsilas, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. Okay? Four, those are the four basic manifestations of Hashem. Now, each one of those of those four worlds has in it what we talked about once, the ten spheros. Chesed, it starts from Keser at the top. Keser, Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Gura, Tveres, Netzach, Malchus. So what you end up with is 40, right? There's 40 different um, the, uh, 10 times 4, you have 40 different steps, so to speak. That's why on Shabbos, you have really, it's really meant to be 40 malachos. It's, it's 39, badafka, that's the difference. Why specifically 39 and not 40? But you have 39 malachos, each one corresponding to another one of those layers of the four worlds that we have from starting from Hashem, coming all the way down to the world that we're in. The first, the first thing that we understand then is, is that everything at the Seder, except Matzah, everything at the Seder has to do with the number four. You have Dalad Kaisis, right? The Dalad Kaisis, each Kais represents something about Atsilas, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. 
the, the most basic way of understanding these four worlds. And one second, you have, you have the Manishtana, you have the four sons. The number four, it's, it's found all over the place. Atzilus is the world where Hashem kind of exists in what we call Kayach. It's, it's just energy. It's just godly energy. It's something that really, even those tzaddikim that have access to what these worlds are, what nobody understands what goes on in the world of Atzilus. It's beyond. Bria is kind of manifesting that into the world. It's like Bereshis Barley That's creation. Yitzira is forming the creation. When Hashem created man, so he formed him by Yitzar. Hashem formed man. Everything else that was created was created, but man, Hashem started to actually take material and form it into something that was beyond just a creation, something more, something larger. Asiya is when the, the electric goes on. It's when the lights go on and the party begins. That's the world of Asiya. So everything that exists in this world flows in these like waves of manifestations of Hashem from the beginning. Ein Sof is above Atzilus, but Hashem manifests himself into this world. Okay? You don't have to understand what any of these things mean. I, I, I don't understand much more. But this is this is the basic the basic construct. So that's the number four, the Dalit Kaisis. Everything everything by by uh, the Seder has to do with the number four. So what does this have to do with anything? Why is this relevant? Because in the creation of the world. We've, this is what we've what what we've talked about from the beginning of of our meetings together. The creation of the world, when Hashem created the world, He created all of the existence, all of existence, for the sake of humanity, and He created all of humanity for the sake of Kali Yisrael. The the epitome of all of that, all of those waves, the epitome of Hashem manifesting Himself of taking from this infinite or beyond infinite being and expressing it into reality is all for the sake of my existence and your existence. That's, that's the purpose of it all. He didn't create it for elephants. He didn't create it for nuclear physis- physicists. He created it for Kali Yisrael, for me and for you. One day, I promise we'll do a share on talking specifically what the difference is between the neshama of a Jew and the neshama of a non-Jew. But that's a separate, again, we'll, we'll, we'll put that up, especially for social workers. Hard, that's a hard one to, to wrap our heads around. And even for the non-social workers. Um, everything that exists in this world is a manifestation. Everything that exists in this world is a manifestation. And the purpose of all that was, is manifested of God is me, Kal Yisrael. So Hashem created Kal Yisrael, Adam, Chava. Adam and Chava were not Jews. They were not Jewish people. They were humanity. They were humans. All the way down to Avram, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. There were, at that point in history, there were a few Yechidim that knew they understood or they had a little bit of the, of the, the, uh, the energy of this Klal Yisrael, this thing called Klal Yisrael, all the way down to the Yidden and Mitzrayim. Now, what 
what does it mean that we ended up in Mitzrayim? What is the what is the what is the purpose of being in Mitzrayim? What is it? What does it mean? What does it have to do with with all of existence? Why don't we say that um, that we have Yitzias? Uh, I don't know Yitzias Spain, right? Uh, with, with during the Inquisition, we don't we don't we commemorate that in some ways when we say Guinness. Uh, but we, but like there's no big deal about the fact that we were we were in Spain. There were many other uh, times during our history that we were enslaved. What was it about Mitzrayim? What was the specific thing about Mitzrayim that stood out from everything that that had ever existed? So I want to read the first the first uh, poem here tonight. We're going to read poems and we're going to analyze poems. Because, because why not? I feel like doing this. You feel like, feel like snapping, snapping your fingers? Yeah. Well, this is not going to be like a rap kind of poem. It's going to be no, very like, different. I waited a year to see you. You can't rap a poem. <laughs> I can rap a poem if you'd like. No problem. No problem. But we're going to read this out loud. I'm going to read this out loud for those that are, that are also um, on Zoom. The, the, the Mechaber of this poem is not Jewish. Um, he was a Swedish poet. Um, his name is Gunnar Ekelov. I don't know much about him. I, I make sure that, the that most of the poems that I read are not, are not by anti-Semites. So as far as I know, he's not an anti-Semite, but even so. Okay, each person, each person is a world. Peopled by blind creatures, in dim revolt against the I, the king who rules them. In each soul, thousands of souls are imprisoned. In each world, thousands of worlds are hidden. And these blind and lower worlds are real and living, though not full-born as truly as I am real. And we kings and barons of the thousand potential creatures within us are citizens ourselves, imprisoned in some larger creature whose ego and nature we understand as little as our master, his master. From their depth, from their death and their love, our own feelings have received a coloring. And when a great liner like a ship, when a great liner passes by far out below the horizon where the sea lies so still at dusk. And we know nothing of it until a swell reaches us on the shore, first one, then one more, and then many washing and breaking until it all goes back as before, yet it is all changed. So we shadows are seized by a strange unrest when something tells us that people have left, that some of the possible creatures have gotten free. This is a poem about the unconscious. This is a poem about things that go on within us. This is a poem that really we, we, we should spend as much as we can trying to understand. <clears throat> Every human being, every Jew is a world. Every person is a world. 
peopled, that means populated, by blind creatures, that's our unconscious, in dim revolt against the eye. Dim revolt means like it's, it's not dark, but it's dim, but, but it's revolting. The reality that I'm in is confined to this. The creatures that are, that are peopling me are revolting against this. They're revolting against my life for two reasons. Number one, they want to be set free to be complete, to have pure impulse. That's on the one hand. That's the Freudian view of, of the unconscious. Everything is run by neuroses. That's, that's on the one hand. But there's also the flip side of that. All the people that are in me, all the unconscious figures, all the energies that are flow, fly, flying around in me, Chassidus and Kabbalah teach us, are seeking the ideal life. They don't want to be trapped in the little box of the little life that I have. They're in dim revolt because they want to get out. They want me and, and you, essentially me, they want me to live a much larger life than I could possibly live. And so they revolt against the I, the king who rules them, right? Each one of us is a king or a queen in our own lives. In each soul, that means in our personalities, really, thousands of souls are imprisoned. In each world, thousands of worlds are hidden. And these blind and lower worlds, that's, that, that's the worlds that we're talking about, the unconscious, are real and living. They're very real. You can't deny them. People that try to deny their unconscious can make it through life, but for the most part, most of the atrocities that have existed in the world have existed because people haven't paid attention to their inner world. So it's okay if you read, I, I just recently read the, 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 uh, the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. If you read that, you see what it, what, what it means to be a person of tremendous kayak, tremendous brilliance, but completely unworked. He didn't do any work on himself at all. It's, it's literally just sentence after sentence after sentence of unfiltered and unsophisticated emotional diarrhea. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's real. The inner world is real. Our inner motivations, our inner pulls and pushes, our inner struggles, they're all real and they live. They live deeply. Though not full born. They're not fully born. They're not fully manifested as truly as I am real. If I am real completely, if I'm completely real and completely authentic, then I would have these aspects of me manifested. And we kings and barons, so we think that we're kings, right? And barons, we think that we run, we, we have everything, we show up to work, we do it, what we do, and we try this and we try that and whatever it is that we're doing. And we think that we're kings and barons and we think that we have it. We have it down pat. We did our work. We did our uh, we did our therapy. We did our uh, DMCs. We did it, and so we're we we know what we need in life. We know what we're doing in life. We kings and barons of the thousand potential creatures within us are citizens ourselves. We're also trapped. We think that we're not imprisoned in some larger creature. Your mind, my mind, is imprisoned imprisoned in a larger creature creature, whose ego and nature we understand as little as our master, his master, right? Layers upon layers upon layers of imprisonment. 
layers upon layers of masters and slaves of inner world stuff and outer world stuff. From their death and their love, our own feeling, our own feelings have received the coloring. From the brokenness and also from the joys, from those things that we have suffered, the disappointments, the losses, and also those joys that we've had, the, 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 the love we've had, the friendships we have, we've had, all of our feelings have received a coloring. We learn about life. We think we know all that there is about life. As when a great liner passes by far out below the horizon, when a great ship moves somewhere deep within us, when we experience a profound movement inside of us, a great ship, a liner is, a, is usually, it's a mythical kind of concept. But a, a great liner means like there's there's something that's moving out in the water. The waters waters usually mean like a very very dark, not negative, but like a, a a blind place, a place that's not lit. It's all passion. When a liner passes through passion, it means that there's something moving. There's some great epic thing happening in the deepest places of our passions. As when a great liner passes by far out below the horizon where the sea lies so still at dusk. And we know nothing of it. We don't know anything about the inner movements of ourselves. We don't know anything about what's transforming us or what's inspiring us. We don't know really the Yad, how the Yad Hashem is moving things in our lives until a swell reaches us on the shore. Somehow on the shore of our unconscious, somehow the the edges of our minds, there's like a little wave that just kind of comes in. First one, then one more, and then many washing and breaking. Suddenly we start to receive messages from our, our unconscious. We start to receive messages from life isn't working or life is working. Like I thought life would go in this way, but I, I'm getting the messages life is going to work in that way. Until so it all goes back as before. Yet it is all changed. It looks like life went goes back somehow to being the way it was at a previous stage in life. But really we recognize that everything has changed. So we shadows, shadows is what every, this is all about. If, if you're familiar with the Jungian concept of shadows, Jung, Jung talked about the shadow. The shadow is the part, the part of ourselves that are, um, Freud really called it the unconscious, but in Jung's shadow, it's like those things that exist on the periphery. You can't really look at it. You can't really inhabit it, but you know that it's there. It's it's only comes when good things are sh are shined down on you. It, it casts a shadow in the back. It generally looks negative. It generally is negative until you learn how to how to incorporate it within you. And one of my favorite. Um, um, visions of that is with Peter Pan. If you ever watched the cartoon of Peter Pan, the, the, the movie of Peter Pan, the story of Peter Pan begins when Peter flies from Never Neverland into wherever the story takes place London. in London. But we have, I don't remember the city in London. There's somewhere, it's somewhere in London. Um, he flies into this room and he wakes up the kids in that room, but he's, he's chasing a shadow. The shadow ran away from him. And he tries to get the shadow back reattached to his body. The symbolism of that is that boy who never grows up, who's, that means any of us that has never grown up, but is still living 
with the impulses and the chaos of a person who lives in Never Never Land, the, the only, what they need to do is they need to find their shadow and they need to attach their shadow to, to themselves. The shadow is usually the things that we tend to reject about ourselves. It's the things we don't like about ourselves, the things that, that, that get highlighted about ourselves that we don't like. So we shatters are seized by a strange unrest. When something tells us that people have left, this is the key of the whole, the, this whole poem. When something tells us that people have left, that some of the possible creatures have gotten free. If a person can manifest the, the potential that would sit, that's, that's within, when a person could recognize if there's one thing that, you, that any of us can, can thank the world of modern psychology for, it's the fact that desire is all symbol, symbols. Everything in the world of desire is symbolic. It looks like I want a cookie, but the truth is I don't want a cookie, I'm bored. The hunger symbolizes boredom. The ability to learn about myself, to see the world of Remes, to see symbolism, that's, that's the way, well, that's what modern psychology has taught us. That I can learn to find the symbols of my desires, that I could learn to find the symbols of my meaning, of my, of my feelings, that I could make meaning of the things that I know about myself, that I can make meaning of the things that happen in the world because it reflects back to me. By me finding the, the symbols and understanding the symbols and see what they, what they reference in my life, I have the capacity to let certain parts of my personality free. When something tells us that people have left, that some of the possible creatures have gotten free, it's, it's possible for a person to have their cake and eat it too. We live in a world today which, which, which is very, very much like Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is a conglomeration of the Dar HaMabal and the Dar HaFlaga. What was the difference between the Dar HaMabal and the Dar HaFlaga? The Dar HaMabal was all about lust, gluttony, greed. That was the Dar HaMabal. They were led by impulses, completely impulsive. And so Hashem brought the Mabal and he destroyed the world. The Dara Flugga was the exact opposite. They were power, all about power, assertiveness. It was not about what they wanted or what they needed. It's about assertiveness. They, they wanted to, it's, it's symbolic that they wanted to build a building that would go all the way up to Shemayim and quote unquote fight with Hashem, meaning to say that, that they could build a metropolis. They don't need God. They don't, we don't need God. We're assertive enough. We're strong enough. The Darha Mabel and the Darha Flaga. They're two opposites of the same coin. One is called in the Svarim feminine and masculine. The Dar the Darha Mabel was all receiving, the Darha Flaga was all uh, giving. Mitzrayim was the first civilization that contained both. They, they, they contained both except that none of, none of it was connected. In other words, Mitzrayim, the, the giving nature of Mitzrayim and the receiving nature of Mitzrayim had no was together. Instead, they were focused this way, outwards. The shadow of Mitzrayim was never sewn back to the body. 
So if they wanted to give, they gave whatever they wanted. But on my terms, I don't care what you, the receiver, needs. That means nothing to me. I'm giving what I want to give. And I want to receive. I'll receive whatever I want to receive. I don't care what you're giving. I'll take whatever I want. Before we talk about that even interpersonally, we have to talk, talk about that interpersonally. In other words, every one of us has a mashpia and a makabal. We all have that within us. The question is, can I be mashpia to the parts of me that need to be makabal? So I want, I want to experience meaning in life. So I go searching all over the world for meaning. I can find meaning in all different places. I can find meaning in Buddhism. I can find meaning, meaning in being a therapist. I can find meaning from wherever I go. I can find meaning. But the question is, the parts of me that want to give, are they giving me meaning? Or no, the parts of me that want to give go in this direction, the parts of me that want to receive go in that direction. If those two things are not connected to each other, then I'm going to experience a split. The purpose of life is to take all of the aspects of myself and reintegrate them back together so that I'm one whole person, one whole person. That all of the, the aspects of myself that want to be mashpia and all the aspects of myself that want to be makabel know how to work together in tandem. That the makabel isn't pulling at the mashpia, the mashpia isn't pulling at the makabel, and that these things can kind of work together. Mitzrayim was the first place in civilization where these things ripped at each other. They weren't connected to each other. It was all led by chaos. The whole thing was chaotic, which really brings us to like what we, what we see in the world today. The world today is, is a complete um, reflection of what happened in Mitzrayim. Number one, we have uh, a liberal progressive movement that is completely, has made a complete um, uh, new set of Aserasa Dibros that have everything to do with loving, right? We're not gonna offend anyone. And in doing so, in their, in their tremendous need to be loving, they have created the most divisive culture that exists. Now, they didn't create it on their own, but to be PC, to be woke, means that in the name of making someone feel good, we offend someone else, right? So again, Mashpia Makabal, it's the exact, it's the exact perversion of that. It's the pulling in this direction. The conservative movement, the right, does the same thing. In the name of standing up for values, we are going to tread completely on what anyone anyone needs. We don't care what anyone needs. We don't care what, what necessarily uh, people who are poor need. We don't care what anyone that's um, a minority needs. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to do with what with what whatever is right. And hopefully, you know, life will work out. Now, I'm not getting involved in politics. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not voting for politics. I don't want to get into discussion on politics. But just, just to make it so that we understand where the, we, we live in the most affluent time in the world. And at the same time, that's true. The, the, the amount of poverty that exists in third world countries is astounding. 
the the disparity between the two. I'm not for I'm not for I'm not getting involved in what what we should do about this. But let's just like look look at the realities. We are the most technologically advanced. We we have more reason to be proud of humanity than ever before in the history of the world. And the rate of mental illness is through the roof. And all of these inconsistencies go come back to a very basic point, which is the mashpia and the makabal are not connected. The mashpia is going levatala, the makabal is going levatala. They're, they're not connecting, there's no unity. There's no oneness, there's no creation, there's no, there's no synthesis at all. So we shadows are seized by a strange unrest when something tells us that people have left, that some of the possible creatures have gotten free. It is possible to get free. It is possible to free ourselves of this kind of craziness. That the, that the Yidin ended up in Mitzrayim, what that means is this that Hashem manifested himself into this world, this that Hashem created a being that would have both a guf and a neshama, a mashpia and a makabel. The neshama and the guf are both constantly trying to be mashpia and makabel to each other. The guf has to be mashpia to the, to the neshama. I need, I need to live. I need sustenance. The neshama needs sustenance to live. The guf wants to be mashpia to the neshama. But at the same time that's happening, the guf is mashpia, all kinds of things to the neshama the neshama doesn't want. And vice versa, it's the same thing. The neshama, the neshama needs to be mashpia to the guf. I need inspiration. I need meaning. But at the same time, that's true. The neshama is giving the guf all kinds of things that the guf has no interest in. I don't want pyramids. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to do any of these things. So the guf rejects. The whole tachlis of a Jew is to find the capacity to take all the paradoxes that exist in my life and make it work. Because when I can make it work, it's, it's really true of all humanity. I'm not saying anything that's different, but, but when Kalal Yisrael can do that, when Kalal Yisrael can do the work of making things work in tandem together, then what it does is it kind of sends a spark all the way up through those four layers and kind of goes straight back to Hashem and it takes the whole world along with it. When, you, when, when we perfect ourselves, when we live in the best way that we can as people, when we set ourselves free from the chaos of the inner struggle, when we are able to live with all of the stuff in our unconscious and we're able to, to manifest it all, then that manifestation happens throughout the whole world. I'm going to stop for a moment and see if we're if we're good. If anybody has any questions, comments, thoughts, ideas. If this is too heady, if this is too much. I just asked a question. How do you own that? Do you also have an iron or an olive? Aleph, Tzadik, Yud, Amen, Bav, Saf. Each part wants to can you can you like um to dumb it down <laughs> to dumb to dumb it down yeah the the idea is is that every one of us has fragmented parts there's all kinds of fragmented interests impulses needs ideas motivations 
this is a, this poem is a fancy way of describing the fact that there's there's millions of different possibilities. There are ideals that you have. There are parts of yourself you don't like. There are parts of yourself you do like. There's part. There's dreams you have that you think you can never get to. There's things about you that you wish you were never born because of, etc., etc., etc. The purpose of life is to figure out a way to work with all those pieces and make all those pieces work together in some way. That's called Schleimus. When you have the capacity to not just experience, but actually have all the parts of you aligned together, that's called Schleimus. So on the one hand, I remember, I remember this is like, this blew my mind. And then recently I started to think differently about it. It was, it was from Rabbi Tat, where Kiva Tat said that you think of when you think of the voice that goes through your mind that says, "You want to have a sorry, you want to have a cookie, right?" It says, "I want a cookie," and then the other voice says, "You know, you shouldn't have a cookie, right?" Like that's the self-talk that you have. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. You, you know, you shouldn't have a cookie, right? So he was he was trying he was trying to explain he was trying to explain the difference really between the, the id and the and we we wouldn't say it this way, but the id, which is impulse. The impulse is you want to eat a piece, you want to eat a cookie. And then the conscious comes in and says, you know, you shouldn't eat a piece, you shouldn't eat the cookie, right? I versus you. What's the external? What's the internal? If you do enough IFS work, it's both I. I want to eat a cookie and I don't want to eat a cookie. So what do you do with contradictions like that? So most of us, we kind of struggle in life. You know, you discipline a little bit, you motivate a little bit, inspire a little bit, then you try to figure out, you hobble your way into the grave and, and you make sure that you you know, you mostly got it right. That's the basic way that, that we like, you know, in a practical way, just like kind of think of life. But to do, but to do inner work, to do inner work means that you want something more than that. You want to look at all the different things that you have in your life and you want to make more of it. You want to expand more of it. You want to make more of it. I want to make more of myself don't want to be limited by the confines of how I see myself. I don't want to be limited by the confines of how the world sees me. I don't want to be a master or a slave to anything that put, that confines me. And I want to find all the pieces within me that want to be set free. Are there things that are like bad enough that you don't want to include them into your emergence? Like they were using a cookie. Right. There are things that are so let's talk about the shadow right, right? um the, the what if i have a shadow like what if within me i have the capacity to kill myself by using cocaine right that's a pretty bad thing i don't want that so the question becomes and this is a this is a, a, a very very old argument what do i do do i reject that do i reject my capacity for suicide by cocaine do I reject? Um, I mean, I, Thursday was on phone with a guy who um, won. He won. He lost three hundred thousand dollars in the stock market, and then and then bought four million in the stock market. This is the scariest thing because what do you think is going to happen to the four million? It's going to translate into a sixteen million dollar loss, and that sixteen million dollar loss is terrible for a guy who's only got two hundred thousand dollars in the bank. So, like. What, like, what does a guy like that do? So the, 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 the long and short of it is you have to learn how to sow your shadow into your life. You could try to reject it, 
the truth of the matter is, as much as you try to reject most of the time, the big, the big issues in life, if you try to reject it, what's going to happen? It's going to punch you right back in the, in the nose a lot harder than you tried to get rid of it. It just doesn't work. These are the two basic mahalkam. It's either discipline, which generally means reject, or synthesis, which means learn to make it, learn to become best friends with it, learn to understand what it means. The people who go to 12-step programs, in my experience, people who go to 12-step programs that never stop to think about, you know, I have this desire and this desire means something to me. And it's not just, I want to get rid of this. You got to make, you got to become best friends with it. I mean, you know, in, in the world of 12 steps, you write, you write a first step. A first step is like what generally, what's your history with whatever your, whatever your, your thing is. Like you got to really get it down well. You got to know your desire really, really well. And recognize that you might never not have the desire. You just got to figure out how to deal with it. So, no, you don't, essentially, in, in my little corner of the world, you don't want to reject anything about yourself. You want to embrace everything about yourself. You just want to find what the symbols are. What, 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 is, this, what is this symbolizing? We, we get into trouble when we analyze the symbol too much and we don't realize that the symbol is just the symbol, right? Remez. The world of Remez is the world of shadows. That's why the world is so afraid of Pnina Satara. Because you don't really know. You, know. you can't really know. You don't really know. You don't really know. You don't know because you don't know how to read symbols. If you learn how to read symbols, then everything in Pnina Satara, everything in Kabbalah is, is all there. It's all there. Kabbalah is... It's completely accessible to everyone. You just have to know how to read symbols. If you read it with the intellectual mind and you, you, you approach it from a place of just discipline, if halacha just means discipline in your life, then of course you're gonna, you, you have to reject all Pnei because You can't get to Pnei Satera without symbols. So why after Das, um, I like, when Emes the Shekhar was replaced with Tovara, why was why was there a creation of Tovara? It seems like there is no such thing as such binary oh. elements in the world. So that's exactly the point. Tovara are symbols. Then it's not Emes and Shekhar. Emes, Emes, you don't need a symbol for. It's Emes. Tov is a symbol for Emes. Shekhar is a symbol for Ra. Uh, Ra is a symbol for Shekhar. They're not a hundred. The binary between Taiv and Ra is not. It's it's not a binary. It's symbolically. It's in in the world of symbols. It's a binary. But what they what they represent, what they want to get me to, is to say, I want to eat the cookie and I don't want to eat the cookie. That's not binary. That's not a binary thing. It's I have I have different kinds of interests. Resolving paradoxes means there's no Taiv or Ra. Taivara is good for the sake of showing me the direction I need to go in. They're symbols. Simon. Taiv means go here. Ra means don't go there. What does it mean don't go there? It doesn't mean don't go there. It means go there, but go there and recognize what the symbols are of what that means. That impulse to trade on the stock market, that impulse to do whatever, fill in the blank, whatever it is, that impulse is only an impulse that's there for you to learn. Don't eat the fruit. If you eat the fruit, you're going to lose the symbol, right? You're going to celebrate the little A with the tail that comes around it. You're not going to realize that it means that, right? 
don't lose it. Don't, if you eat, if you eat the apple, that's that's what that's what you're going to do. You essentially fell in love with the chitzainius of it, but the chitzainius was there. The whole chitzainius is there as a symbol. Toivara, the binary of Toivara is symbol. Yes? Okay. Good. I just wanted to understand the Mashpia Makaba. Yes. Every every the whole idea of Mashpia Makaba that has to do with um, interpersonal, right? I'm a mashpia, you're a makabal, you're a mashpia, I'm a makabal. That's that begins really intrapersonally. The more I have the capacity within myself to be mashpia to myself and be makabal for myself, the more I have the masculine assertiveness and the feminine experience. Those are the, the, the two basic um, differences. I have the capacity to assert myself in life, and I have the capacity to experience life. One is one is an evid lahashem. One is a bun is a is a is a child to Hashem, a ben lahashem. The more I have the capacity to experience and also do, and that those things can work together, the more shalim I am. The less shalim I am, the more I'm going to have a hard time with people. Because I think I need from you, but I don't really need from you. I need for myself. I think I need to give to you. I don't really need to give to you. I need to give to myself. So it's like I, I came into shul today and I was talking to somebody who knows my grandparents and was asking where my grandparents were. Oh, they just got the shot. Oh, they just, oh great. Oh, they got the shot. Fine. So as I turned away from that, a guy came up to me and says, you didn't get the shot? I said, what? I just heard you say about the shot. You, you got it? And then the conversation went on for like three minutes and everything I said, the person's response had nothing to do with what I said because he was living in his own, his own experience. And then, you know, I listened to him for another three minutes. He clearly was nervous about getting a shot. His wife's getting a shot. He's not nervous. Blah, 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 blah. He's living in his own, his own world, completely living in his own world. We've all had experiences like that where you talk and the, you think the person's listening. They're not really listening or you really think you're listening. You're not really listening. You're, you're waiting to, for the person to stop talking. That's, that's an experience where the mashpia and the makabla is not working. Generally, when you have problems with that, you got to go inside and find out for myself. How's my mashpia and makabla thing working? Mitzrayim, this is obviously the psychological, the psychological perspective. Mitzrayim is the word metzar, is to imprison. It's not that Mitzrayim, I mean, we're not talking about this historically. The, sim the symbolic nature of Mitzrayim is to enslave. That's their tachas. Their whole tachas in life is enslave the unconscious. Enslave whatever potential there is. Enslave whatever possibility there is. Enslave, enslave, enslave. Don't do the work. The world that we see, <clears throat> the way we see it, that's it. Have, it. have it like that. Have it like that. Which ends up being that all the potential for giving and all the potential for receiving, all the potential for productivity and creativity, for beauty and for power, all the good things in life completely have no basis, right? They, they, they were asked Chayasol to build peace on the Ramses. What were peace on the Ramses? They were built on quicksand. There was no foundation. Every time they Chayasol built something, 
it dropped the level. They built it, it dropped the level. They built, they built the same stupid buildings for 210 years. And at the end of 210 years, there was nothing left because it was spinning in the wind. The whole thing in Mitzrayim is it goes levatala. You put all your work and effort into something. And at the end of the day, you realize it wasn't even effort, it was anxiety. You thought that you spent 10 years working on this project. You didn't. You were just anxious for 10 years. You spun your wheels. You weren't even running on a treadmill. And while all that was going on, you thought you were doing the exercise. You put on all this weight, and the weight is dead weight. It didn't get you anywhere. You built castles in your mind. You didn't manifest anything. You didn't express anything. You didn't free anything within you. Nothing grew. That's the world of Mithraim. That's the world of Mithraim. The Kalad Yisrael went into Mitzrayim was the biggest paradox of them all. Because Kalad Yisrael's job in this world is to be the culmination of all godly manifestation that Hashem produced of himself a world, and the world produced of itself a human being, and the human being produced of itself so that there's like a direct uh, beam of light that goes from that place that's called Ein Soif all the way down into me, into the Neshama that I am. All manifestations, manifestations, manifestations. So I get to be a person that manifests. I get to be a person that manifests. That everything in, about my life, all the effort I put into my life, of course, I put effort into all the things I have to do with myself. But essentially, my life's mission is to take all the fragments, all the pieces, and work them out together. That's my job. Yes? Stressful job. Stressful job. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go on to the next, the next, uh, the next handout. Say that again. All the pieces of myself. So. So I, your question is, is what about all the things that you thought you were working out that you weren't really working out? Is that what you mean? For sure, and it definitely happens in my life. I'm back when I was like, it happens in my life. I'm saying you're like, oh, wait, I didn't do anything. So I'm just saying, okay, let's start all over again. So you never, ever, ever start all over again. It's not possible mm -hmm. you start all over again. What you did, well, I'll tell, you, you, what, I'll tell you what you did. No, you don't. Never. Never. It is all changed, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You thought... You, you think that. You wake up six years later and you have an epiphany and you say, you know what? Everything I did for the last six years was all based on that one stupid mistake that Tuesday afternoon where I thought. I thought it was a rejection. I thought it was a rejection. And therefore, the last six years, this is all I've done. And I banged my head against the wall. I couldn't figure it out. And today I had the epiphany that says, you know what? It wasn't rejection. That was my personal guilt. Like, what, what, what just happened? So yes, you have to go through a mourning period. Fine. That's not called lost time at all. First of all, she, she found the sentence. It, it, everything changed. You don't realize that everything changed. But not, you know, at the most basic level, you now learned what anxiety is. And Hashem wanted you to learn what anxiety is. You didn't realize that, number one. Number two, 
what tends to happen if again if you're doing the work and it's not just it's not just anxiety but if you're actually doing the work what tends to happen is is that um, you become a lot softer the next stage of vulnerability the next stage of growth usually happens much bigger after, after you go through a school like that when you bang a person bangs their head against the wall for a bunch of years that kind of intensity and then they realize this was all stupid and for naught you become a much a much softer person much much more malleable person Why? after that but in whatever way it is in general, in general. Yeah. In general, that's yeah, that's, that's been my experience. Yeah, yeah, because every Yerida, not just the Torah and Aliyah, every Yerida makes, every Yerida that you have, every dark space that you have is a womb where there's something cooking inside. It's going to be born. The, the longer it's, it spends in there, the larger the birth is going to be. Right? The, right? the Gemara says about the person who, who went, who went, and he went to every prostitute in the world. And at the last one, she made one little comment to him, and he completely fell on his knees, and he died from doing tshuva. And a Bosco came out from Shemaim and called him Rebbe so-and-so. Rebbe Lezer ben Derdai. Rebbe means that he reached the Madrega of Atana. You know what that means? That means that on his Madrega, he could be Machayimis. Every time in the Gemara has a capacity. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that a person should run around spending his whole life doing like that. What it does say is that every year and every moment that he spent doing an Avera, there was something cooking inside of him. The whole time, there was something cooking inside of him. It probably was, I imagine, there was some kind of guilt, there was some kind of unhappiness, there was some kind of shame that he carried with him the whole time. He wasn't 100% connected to it. And, And it cooked until that moment came. And then it all came out. Now, it, it shouldn't come out in death. I mean, that really shouldn't. That's not the way we want it. But it came out. Let's say also in a different way. Let's say someone thinks that they were good, and then they realize it was just their anxiety. Like if a person spends anxiety. their time, a person spends their time trying to make their life work, nothing goes for naught. If you're a mavakesh, nothing goes for naught. Sometimes it takes it takes more life experience to learn that age until you learn that nothing ever goes for naught. nothing ever goes for naught. what does it mean like what is, what is being asked of us to do the work what is that act of so we're going to get there right. we're going to get there shame is possibility in this world i would think that that's something you're no. always trying to achieve but not, don't necessarily get to that 100 percent level no as long as you're working towards it then it's not about the outcome it's about the process the whole the whole question about Christianity is that Christians the Christians believed that Shlemus is so not possible that there had to be a Jesus figure who reached Shlemus and then your job is just to believe in him. In other words, wh- what did Christians reject in the Pneumius? What did Christians reject? They rejected the notion of Chuba. That's what they rejected. The Chiddush that Yiddishkeit, it's not a Chiddush, it's the old Chiddush that Yiddishkeit has as opposed to Christianity. Christians rejected the notion of Tuva. We don't reject the notion of Tuva. It's not possible. You can, you, you can manifest, every little bit you manifest is exactly what Hashem wants from you. You don't have to come on to some divine creature. There's no Buddha, there's no Jesus, there's no, we don't have any figure like that. Adarabha. The Gemara brings down names of people 
who never sinned in their life. Do you know who they are? Yeah? Um, okay, good. I guess I learned in yeshiva. So I don't really know these things. They're not, they're not leaders of Kali Yisrael. They're not the big, they're not the big people in Kali Yisrael. Benjamin was not the, like the people, Hanoich was not like the, the person who led Kali Yisrael. Okay, the guy never did love error. Fine, that's great. Sadik, yeah, 100%. Maybe, maybe, but they, they're not our celebrities because we don't, we're not celebrating perfection. We don't celebrate perfection. Right, there are no saints in Judaism. What? Brilliant, brilliant. That's that's not who we are. We believe in the Kayach of Tshuva. We believe in 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 modification. We believe in balance. Essentially, we believe in synthesis. Everything could work out. Doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. Nobody's asking you to be perfect. You're you're, you're simply asked to be on the journey of growth. So confession is in their equivalent of vidui. Of course, confession is their equivalent of vidui. So isn't that tshuva? No. Because that's they just the beginning of tshuva. Right. They don't have to do anything about it. The whole purpose of it is do the vidoy. You you let go of the toxic shame, which is something that we as Jews have forgotten. You let go of the toxic shame, and then and then and then that's it. Don't bother trying to be masaking, the Christians say. Right. In a sense, been greeted people of the Averis and then get to us and then got close to Hashem that way. 100%. That's so interesting. So, like, I don't even know that. I mean, I only had tried the Averis. It's not so hard for me, but right. <laughs> 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 That's so interesting. Wow. Well, so, you told me now I'm going to do a few Averis. Uh, <laughs> By all means. I, uh, By all means. <laughs> get to Chuba. Right. 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 <laughs> Okay, so I want to, I want to, I want to move on. I want to move on. Just I'm paying attention to the to the clock. So the next poem is written by someone named Antonio Machado, and I verified this with a, with my Puerto Rican neighbor. The last name is Machado, not Machado or Machado. He was a Spanish, also a Spanish poet. Rebirth. Rebirth, it's called. It's on two pages. Passageways of the soul. The soul, like a young woman, her clear smiling light, and the history not long, and the joy of a new life. Yes, to be born again and walk the road, having found the lost path. To feel in our hand once more the pulse in the good hand of our mother, and to walk through life in dreams out of love for the hand that guides us. In our souls, everything moves guided by a mysterious hand. We know nothing of our own souls that are ununderstandable and say nothing. The deepest words of the wise man teach us the same as the whistle of the wind when it blows or the sound of the water when it is flowing. It's possible that while sleeping, the hand that sows the seeds of stars started the ancient, the ancient music going again, like a note from a great harp, and the frail wave came to our lips as one or two honest words. 
So we're not going to have enough time to go through this with the same uh, depth as we did before, but I'm going to read through this poem again and uh, just go through some of the, the, the symbolic uh, pieces here. Passageways of the soul. Already, the, we're going to compare and contrast the two, the two, uh, two energies. Passageways means that uh, already there's, there's room to move. Right? In the previous poem, there, there wasn't. There was no real movement until we got to the end. Passageways of the soul means that there's, we're already not in Mitzrayim, in this picture. We're not in Mitzrayim. And the soul has passageways. There's pieces. There's alleyways. Passageways kind of things, if you think of like a little kid who just wants to run around and find all these little nooks and crannies to go into. Passageways of the soul. The soul like a young woman. Her clear smiling light and the history not long, a young child, and specifically feminine, doesn't mean woman, it means feminine. The feminine is, is the part of us that experiences, not the part that does, not the part that acts, the part that experiences. Her clear smiling light, it's clear, it's smiling, it's joyous, history not long, kind of reminds you of spontaneity, and the joy of a new life, that's Parshas HaChadosh. Right, we just said Parshas Chayyish today. All of all of Geula starts with an experience of his chadshus. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean I can change anything in my life. It means I can experience his chadshus. I can experience newness. Yes, to be born again. It's not a Christian rebirth. It's it's a it's it's a rebirth for each and every one of us to be born again and walk the road, having found the lost path. The path that was lost to me. I walked around for six years with anxiety, and and is actually my sashaya. I walked around for six years being anxious <laughs> about something, and it was like this week. I think I was like, no, that was not anxiety. That was that was guilt. I'm like, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty profound. That's a lost path. I found the lost path. To feel in our hand once more the pulse in the good hand of our mother. My mother's holding me by her, by, by her good hand, by her strong, but also, you know, caretaking hand. And to walk through life in dreams. In dreams doesn't mean in fantasy. In dreams means ideals. To walk through life in our ideals. Out of love for the hand that guides us. Out of love for our mother, which means both our mother, but it also means Hashem. And in this case, we're talking about Hashem as, as, as our mother which again in Kabbalah is all over the place. Abba ve'ima, these are concepts in Kabbalah that are all over the place. We call Hashem in the masculine, but and there's a reason for that. But, but Hashem contains both, a, a masculine and a feminine. And to walk through life in dreams out of the love for the hand that guides us. In our souls, everything moves guided by a mysterious hand. You think that the things that go on in your unconscious, says Freud, is all haphazard. It's all a bunch of neuroses. It's just a bunch of electrons that are that are neurotransmitters that are shooting all over the place. You think that's what's going on. In our souls, everything moves guided by a mysterious hand, everything. We know nothing of our own souls that are not understandable and say nothing. There's a lot of knots and knots and knots and knots. We can unpack that. Essentially, we can't really know with our intellect. We can't really even know with our emotions, but sometimes we know. We know the unknowable. We, we, we can't say it, we can't express it, but we know it, we experience it somehow. 
the deepest words of the wise man, the wise man in this in this particular guy here is talking about really the poets. The wise men in in you know in 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 this guy, Antonio Machado, generally he means the poets. That means the that means the poetic the poetic people, the people that could listen to this and not fall asleep in 12 seconds or or feel like I'm talking out of whatever. The deepest words of the wise man, the deepest words that teach us. The same as the whistle of the wind when it blows or the sound of the water when it is flowing. These are very, very subtle experiences that sometimes you have to stop. Remember like when, when this quarantine happened and we, and we all started to come out in the middle of the spring. And I remember saying to my wife that, um, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot more creatures around. We have two nests, one here and one in the back. We never had that before. And it's like, wow. And then she then she said to me, you know, maybe it's possible that there weren't more animals, but there were less distractions, and you just you heard them more, right? Like to hear the whistle of wind and to hear the the sound of water when it's flowing, nobody ever pays attention to that. I mean, when you think about that, you think of like the sink running, like this <laughs> water flowing, water flowing, the sound of water flowing is the sound of my passions flowing. Not static, not compartmentalized, but flowing. It's possible that while sleeping, the hand that sows the seeds of stars started the ancient music going again. There's a, a lot. There's a lot of actually Muslim in there. I think I connected Totally not Jewish poem, poem, by the way. I'm not. I'm not darshaning this poem or these poems because they're they're sacred, but they're but they represent. There's a lot of wisdom here, like a note from a great harp. And the frail wave came to our lips as one or two honest words. The frail wave came to our lips as one or two honest words. So very often in poems, it's the last two or three words that change everything. In Mitzrayim, everything that happened in Mitzrayim was about keeping our peh, our words, our mouth quiet. Couldn't say anything. They didn't, that's... So much to say about this, that the main thing that was enslaved was our speech. Our speech was the main thing that was enslaved in the trying the Lord says. <coughs> and that's why the Sukkim are filled with like, they, they screamed out to Hashem. They didn't have words to say. They screamed out to Hashem. Nevertheless, they cried. They were in pain. There's nothing more beautiful than having the capacity to say one or two very real and honest words, even to yourself, even to Hashem, even to another person. Because that means that somehow there's been an alignment between your mind, your heart, your body, your soul, everything. If you could sit, get an authentic word out, it's not the same as doing an act. An act doesn't require authenticity. Speech requires authenticity. So we're going to move to the last the last page, and now we're going to go to a, a Jewish source. All that is Akhtama, just for two or three paragraphs in here. We're not going to go through what this mimer is and about the Haggadah. This is found uh, in a in a, a sefer called Sha'arim El Hapnimius, Gates to the Inner the Inner Workings of Torah. And this is the Haggadah that this person wrote. He was he wrote. Um, a lot of form that had to do with the Svasemas. So this is his explanation of a certain term in the Svasemas. Okay, so this is really, really the tachos of the whole of the whole shear, and um, and we'll 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 end with this. 
Ha'adam it's the third line. Ha'adam tamkach. Person is not created just because. There's no happenstance to your creation. L'chol adam, in every person, yesh mesima, there's a mission, b'sherish nishmasai, in the depth, in the root of their neshama, sh'oysa emarhu In every human being, there is a mission that's in the deepest part of their soul that says to them, it clicks in them that you have to bring this mission Masimazu, this mission, he ha'ara elokis is the is the light of Hashem, because again, I am a manifestation of Hashem. I'm not separate from Hashem, I'm a manifestation of Hashem. This mission is the light of godliness. That Hashem put in the root of my own soul. She, my soul, but this mission is placed within me in order to manifest the goodness of Hashem. So right away, again, we're talking about everything that we that we just came from. At the core of what I am, meaning underneath all the unconscious neurotic stuff, underneath all the fragments, there is already built into my system an urge to reach shlemus. There's an urge for tshuva. There's an urge for tikkun. There's an urge for expression. There's an urge for growth. There's an urge for manifestation. Because manifestation is the way we are. We are not created by Hashem. We are manifested of Hashem. So by extension of that, everything in creation wants to continue manifesting. I want to continue manifesting more of me. The major difference between understanding the world through chitzonius versus understanding the world through pneumius is that chitzonius has binaries. It has compartments. The world of pneumius says, no, we don't think of, we don't think of it in that way. It's all manifestations. Manifestations of manifestations of manifestations. There's a mission that's put in me. What is the mission that is put in me? The mission that's put in me is not Tyramitsis. The mission that is put in me is to be me. That's the mission. The mission is be me. Expand me. Manifest me. Bring me into this world. Bring more of me into this world. The more I bring of me into this world, the more I bring of Hashem into this world. That's my job. My job is to manifest, to continue going of this creation, which is manifestation, this manifestation of Hashem. That's my job. Mithraim says, stop. Don't. Don't manifest. There's no manifestation needed. No manifestation required. You have all of the wealth you need. You have all of the power you need. That's it. You have all of the, you can be makabal, everything over here. You have the, all the daramabal over here. You have all the Dara Flaga, the power over here. You need nothing more. You live in the United States of America. You can, a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man. You can, you could be 32 years old and do deals that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You have all the power, all the wealth. You, you got it all. No problem. Not only that, you could do it and you can give millions of dollars to Tzaka and you could live in a beautiful house and you can send your kids to yeshivas and you can say to him all day long, you can do all of that. But to be a Mitzrayim means you're not manifesting yourself. 
You're not expressing yourself. You're not taking, you're not finding out what's the mission that I am, that I exist in. What's the shirish of my neshama? Who am I? And since every person has their own unique and specific and individual chelik in Torah, like the Sasama says, there are words of Torah that are specific for every member of Pal Yisrael, and therefore, therefore, there's a specific job. When we when we went to school and we heard, you know, you have a tachlis and you have a mission in this world, and 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 for yeshiva guys, you get drunk and perm, and you ask your Rebbe, what's my mission in this world? What's my tachlis in this world? It, it's a mistake. You want to know what your mission is? You can only know what your mission is by knowing who you are. Once I know who I am, then I can go to the Torah and use the Torah as the guidebook. Then the Torah becomes a guidebook. When I know myself and I can find where my Pasuk is in the Torah, so the, the whole Indian of, of like of like having a Pasuk, right, where you say at the end of Shemana Esri, what's the, why, why? What's the purpose of that? <clears throat> know who you are. Find your Chelek in Torah. That Pasuk that, that we add in at the end of Shemana Esri has within it, hidden within it, some message for me. That's my name. My name is, is Yitzchak. So it's, it's, it's these words. Your name is Sarah. It's those words, right? So you have a middle name too. Yes. Okay. Yes. Each person in Kali Yisrael has their different prayer that are specific to them, and therefore they have a malacha and a tikkun ma'isa that's specific to them. So too, every human being has their own Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Because what is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is the, the manifestation, the, re, the, re, the revelation of who I am. The more I manifest myself in this world, the more Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim I have. The more I'm held back from manifesting myself in this world, the more I'm stuck in the throes of self-doubt, the more that the world, I buy into the message and the energy that I get from the world, which is all apathy, stuckness, right? That's the message I get from the world. That's the more I'm buying into Mitzrayim. Since every human being has their own their own specific uniqueness in this world, therefore everyone has their own Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And that's what it says in the Every generation, every person has to see themselves as if, as if they're leaving Mitzrayim. Why? Because I'm me. And I have to bring me into this world. And the more I bring me into this world, the more I manifest me into this world, the more I'm manifesting Hashem in this world. The more I manifest Hashem in this world, the more creation has it. That's my job. That's your job. That's what it means to be a Jew. The, the uniqueness here is, is that the rest of the nations of the world are not given terror. They're, by not giving Torah, that means they don't have access to learn how to manifest themselves. You wanted to know how, how do you manifest. Therapy is about discovering who you are. The Torah is, what do you do with it? There's, there's 248 mitzvahs I say, 365 says They correspond to 250, 248 limbs and 365 tendons. What does that mean? It means that every area of Torah has within it some capacity for you to express yourself. That's why we learn Tamei HaMitzvahs. We learn Pneumius 
every it's it's a it's understanding the world. All we're talking about now is understanding the world through the lens of Paninius. It's 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 the other side of the coin. Yes, of course you have to do it, but that's not that's not the icker. The icker is the parent said to you, I give you the capacity to have menucha, that's called Travis. I give you the capacity to express yourself, that's called Tila. I give you the capacity to not confuse different elements in the world, that's called chatness. I give you the capacity to be compassionate, so you don't kill, you don't, I give you the capacity to have chesed, so you do tztak. I give you the capacity to have din, so you do tshuva. All of these aspects of what it means to be a human being are all, are all compounded into the Torah, and my job is to find myself, and then to find myself in Torah, and then through that, know how I'm supposed to live in this world. That's why we go, we we talk all the time about Yitzchus and Zayinah. What does that have to do with anything? Remembering Yitzchus Mitzrayim means I'm I am remembering to spend my life working towards Yitzchus Mitzrayim. That everything in my life is about remembering there are forces that don't want me to manifest myself. <clears throat> There's enough of a pull in this world to say. I want to eat the cookie, and I don't even need to think about any other part of me. I want to eat the cookie, I eat the cookie. I want to snort, snort the Coke, I snort the Coke. I want to, I do. That's the world of Mitzrayim. The world of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim is the recognition that there's more about me, and it's only through Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim that, is a, that we, we come to connecting to Tyra. It's my personal Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, Leads me to Tyra. Um, so I'm just bringing back to your personal example, but just yeah, it could be about anything. But you're saying how, like, what you thought of for years as anxiety was actually guilt. Uh-huh. So how through the Torah can you come to these like realizations in yourself? Perfect. It's a, it's like a brilliant question. So what does the Torah have to do with? my let's say anxiety and guilt so first of all i write i try to write every day um when i can't write that's usually a sign that like like, what's going on and sometimes when i can't write and i can't think about what's going on and life becomes pretty miserable um to me my writing is very much a part of my mother's not because it allows me to connect to tyra but because I'm not doing that. I'm really not living it. It's just, it's just the way I. Um, so your question is, is how does the Torah allow me to do that, or what is, it, or or what significance does it have to Torah? Maybe both. First and foremost, um, if I, I, if I, I felt, I felt um, a certain kind of rejection. And that that created a lot of anxiety in me. Um, and I walked around for a long time externalizing this feeling. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. I just couldn't deal with it. I tried all different ways of dealing with it. I couldn't deal with it. And I'm not generally that thin-skinned. The moment I realized it was guilt, so what's the first thing I did when I noticed that it was guilt? I did shuva. And that that experience to me was like beyond, beyond, which is beyond. Because here, this thing happened over here. And the truth is, that was really just a symbol for what was going on over here. So, but did Torah help you come to that realization? 
I, I think probably ultimately, no. It ultimately came because of my own personal work. Um, but spending years, at this point, decades, learning different svarim and seeing a lot of what I'm talking about now in the svarim and understanding how Panimia Satara works and understanding how the Panimia Satara person works, when you put all that package together, then yes, then yes, I would answer yes. It didn't, it, I didn't see that in the Pasuk anyone. It was not Pasuk that showed to me that, oh, this you thought of anxiety is really, no. But understanding how the world of Ramazan work, understanding how Panimia's works, and understanding that there's always mistakes that we make. There's always the Koyach that we have inside of us. And to know when it's a dimmion and when it's not a dimmion, all these kinds of things, the answer is yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end I'm gonna end this specifically as a share, and then we can spend some time uh, talking. <laughs>